This episode is brought to you in partnership with Horizon Books. That's right, Horizon Books, back for a second season and a 48th year, serving Seattle's book-loving community with one of the best collection of used books in Cascadia. Mention UpZones at the register for a 10% discount today and all year. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Horizon Books, and this is UpZones. You have to elect yourself, baby. Things are changing. Things are changing. You can't say it, but you know it's true. You elect yourself. Things are changing. You elect yourself. You elect yourself. Go see a bright room called day. That's right. I said it. Welcome to UpZones, my peeps. Happy Monday. We have a great show for you. You may have noticed that we have featured a lot of artists this year. We even did our live art walk episode. I'm just really excited about that. I think it's understated how crucial and key artists are to the civic life of a community. So last season we focused a lot on the zoning and the space builders, and we'll return to that. We have that mixed in this year as well. But we've really been focusing, pushing deep into the arts this second season, and uh, we'll go other places in other seasons, hopefully. And that comes down to imagination. You know, it comes down to the question we have about what our society, or I guess how our society values the imagination of its citizens and of its most imaginative citizens, and what we're doing with that and where we're putting that and centering that in our activities and our dialogues. This week's guests, we, we recorded them a week or two back. You know that we do that sometimes. That's just the nature of doing a show like this. But they're very consciously, we wanted to air this show this week because A Bright Room Called Day is going up this week. And that'll be put on by our awesome guests this week, Ellen Abram and Ryan Purcell. They're co-founders of the Williams Project, a really fucking cool project to bring top tier top shelf art to the community while paying the artists a living wage yet making the performances affordable to the community um, they're doing really great work and they've got a new th- show coming out this friday called a bright room called day that's interesting to me in part because i did study a little tony kushner in college of course, everybody studies a little Tony Kushner in college. If you study literature, contemporary literature at all, that's Angels in America is the one you've all heard of, I'm sure. But Ryan and Ellen brought so much passion to the project. I, I just should cop to the fact that I like them. I just liked them. Hadn't met them. I, I don't know most of my guests before they come on the show. Here and there, you know, I'm and my good buddy Doug makes all kinds of cameos and I certainly knew Imani and a few of the poets and, and you know, you'll get that for sure. But I, they're mostly strangers and we, we have really nice conversations. I certainly don't walk away liking anyone less. But Ryan and Ellen were just really charming, passionate, interesting. It, you can tell I feel like the electrons bounced off the walls uh, when they spoke and they really care about their, their project. They're, they're table pounders. Uh, <laughs> if you listen at all, you know that I occasionally bemoan the fact that when folks make a point, they blow up my mic. 
because the Yeti mic sits on the table and picks up all the vibrations. Little sound engineering 101 for you amateur podcasters out there. Make sure people don't pound the table or get a boom mic. One day we'll spend the money and spring for a boom mic or three boom mics. And so we'll all, well, four boom mics. We'll all have an opportunity to talk and have great conversation on the show. But yeah, we're really excited about a bright room called Day. That's uh, going to be just a fantastic show that speaks to the current political situation, even though it was written in the 1980s mostly about Ronald Reagan, but the, you'll hear in the interview the parallels with Donald Trump and just general American conservatism because Ryan makes the point that it's really not about the person. It's about the systematic problems in the country and how we, we really aren't paying much attention to our right flank. And uh, I, I plug it unabashedly. I'm going Friday opening night. Check out the show. It's the Williams Project presents Tony Kushner's A Bright Room Call Day. Starts October 25th at the Hillman City Collaboratory. Uh, you know, it's it's set in Berlin, World War II period, which you'll hear in the show. And I'll see you there. Hey, thanks for coming on, guys. Of course. Thanks, thanks for having us. us. Yeah. yeah. Are you, um, I, I'm told that you, Ryan, are yes. a Seattle guy. Beacon I am. Hill. I am. I, I, I grew up on uh, 19th. I uh, now live on 20th. Okay. So I've got, yeah. You see your parents still there? Uh, yeah. Yeah. You my, see them a lot? I see them twice, three times a week. Yeah. We, yeah. We, uh, That's we how many times I see together. my parents a year. <laughs> they live in New York. Yeah. That was, for me, that was a while. Between, so I grew up here, and then when I finished high school in 2000, um, Went, moved to Boston for college and stayed away from, not away from Seattle, but I didn't live here again until late 2015. Mm-hmm. So it was a, a long break. Um, and yeah, in between, I was only seeing them a couple of times yeah, a year. Yeah, it's rough. And Ellen, you're actually Minnesotan, you were telling me earlier. Yeah, I'm a Midwesterner. When did you move here? <laughs> uh, I moved here in September of 2016. I was in the Bay Area before that, and that's where Ryan and I met. Mm-hmm. We were both working at a theater company. There. What was the name of the one down there? Uh, Magic Theater. Magic Theater. Omni Plays. Okay. Um, so totally different than than what than what we're doing. Yeah. yeah. So they only do. But so it's only like a debut. Basically. Yeah. They yeah. they stretch that a little bit into they do development things that have premiered before, but they're still working on it. Oh, okay. And now they're doing a few where they're they're doing shows that they premiered. They're doing like revivals of those because like a lot of Sam Shepard's plays premiered there, so they do that kind of thing. Okay. They did a buried child recently. Okay, like, so they're they're yeah. they're creatively yeah. new, yeah, yeah. stretching yeah. new, yeah. A little you know, bit. yeah, for alternative facts for a little yeah. for a little bit of stability. They think, yeah. well, yeah, we need to do the occasional play someone's heard. I of. got you. I got um, you. But yeah, but their focus is on developing new writers. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. And so you guys met down there. Um, met down there. Started talking about what you could do up here. Maybe is that kind of. Well, I, I had sort of already started the company as a as a like a two week experiment. We weren't really planning on on lasting. I just I got a grant from my graduate school and I wanted to work on this play with some people that I respected. We did that. That was sort of the first season was just two weeks long. Orpheus Orpheus descending. descending. Yep. Um, and then Intamon Theater saw our little showing and said, "Would you put that in our season next year?" Oh, interesting. Um, and and so we started having these conversations. Like, well, we sort of said yes because we all really loved the show and wanted to do it again. Well, tell me, tell me about that. So, yeah. so what? 
you know, this is not a theater podcast. It's a community mm-hmm. podcast. But, right. uh, you know, we like to talk shop with people. Sure. And whether sure. we had uh, have a CEO or a, or a, a dramaturg, yeah. it doesn't matter. Orpheus is sending, and I'll give the credit for this insight to Ellen here, but it's considered one of his lesser plays yeah. in the broad media. So what made you want to kind of revive that? Yeah, I, I tend to be drawn to plays that... Um, that weren't liked at the time they came out. Mm-hmm. And, and. So is Kanye, the dog. He feels the same way. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Orvis Ascending, my feeling about the reason it didn't work is because it's written just closely enough to realism that you could pretend it's realism and do it that way. In which case it's boring and the people seem insane mm-hmm. because they're not normal. So, uh, my, the way I responded to it was I think it's his, like blend of really deep emotion that he does so well, but also like Southern grotesquery mm. that he also does really well. Mm-hmm. And so by putting, by, by embracing that. So it's almost like a magical realism. Exactly. Oh. It's like a, it's like a magical, slightly satirical realism that, that gets at a deep truth about how, how sort of mobs form. I mean, that's kind of the grotesquery of it is like, there's this element of laying bare how, how, animalistic and and brutal people can be when they're when they're threatened Mm -hmm. and in in orpheus they're threatened by this outsider who comes into town and you know like he's orpheus he literally like charms them all with music and then they need to destroy him and i I, sort of in my time up to up to making this play i'd gotten really interested in in the fact that good actors i'd rather watch them do things that they're terribly wrong for than then cast sort of people that fit the roles mm. and it really worked with that play because it's we did it with eight people there's probably 23 characters or something in the play so it allowed these really great actors to to both have a lot of heart but also just do these ridiculous hilarious disgusting crazy characters that were um that you could see the truth in but they were not at all trying mm. to play them straight gotcha and what and then when did you hop on ellen I joined the company in 2016. We've been talking about it for mm-hmm. a while. Yeah. So I think Ryan, after uh, this experience with Intamon and the, the company got really excited, yeah. mm-hmm. um, started to formulate, so, so how do we take this aesthetic, this interest in working in this manner mm-hmm. and, and actually craft um, a mission that does something positive or productive yeah. for Seattle um, that contributes something to the national arts landscape, the, the national theater field. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and sort of from there came these, these seeds of, you know, an ensemble based company that was about paying virtuosic artists a living wage for their work Mm -hmm. and investing all of the resources there and letting um sort of the the choices in the art flow from that um and wanting to contribute to a conversation about how artists are compensated and so ryan sort of knew that in order to make that company a reality and also remain the the founder and the artist Mm -hmm. at the center of like the plays themselves, he would need an administrative partner. Yeah. And that had sort of become my interest at this other theater company. I started out thinking I was going to be a freelance director. And I mm-hmm. was like, really like 
just in knots over that. I couldn't see a future for myself. Mm. I couldn't figure out how to suck up to artistic directors. I couldn't figure, <laughs> I couldn't figure out how to like make work in a way that felt meaningful because yeah. the models were so slapdash. Yeah. Like you get, you know, you're a young person, so you get hired in to do one reading. You've never met those actors. You didn't cast a lot of them. How are you supposed to do good work? Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's sort and of what we had in common was we were, we were both coming at from a different angle, this idea that we need to really work hard because the the we're both sort of smart enough and clever enough that if we wanted to just play the game, we could be relatively successful. We have access to people and that kind of thing. But we both kind of saw that like the end point of that, there, there was sort of, I, I had sort of the, my eyes like saw clearly that actually artists are taught, like once you get to a certain place, you'll be satisfied with it. And the closer I got to it, the more I realized, like, there's nowhere along that's that. That's not true. That's not how it works. Yeah, if you're that's... not, like, making it in a model you re- love and respect, and like, it's always that. What, what did I just say? Artists, CEOs, doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. Yeah. There, there is no, there is, there is no top of the mountain. Right. There's no top of the mountain. And art, uh, theater especially, like, and the economics of theater are all, like, Someday, someday, when you're working at the right, big theater, right. when you when you no, get enough of a reputation. No, it's the same in corporate America. It's no, the same absolutely. in politics. Like, yeah. what do they say? What does a senator see when he looks in the mirror? A president, right? Yeah. I mean, this is someday, right? Yeah. Whatever. It's the same, man. Yeah. It's the same, and I think art has this glamour that, exactly. that makes it even more toxic, yeah. right? Because then you'll be the big star. You'll be the you'll big be the, star. Yeah. You'll, you'll, yeah. So I, I'm hearing this, like, tension, this, like, three-way tension, though, right? I'm actually imagining like three poles kind of pulling in, uh-huh. which is pay the pay the artists yep. who are virtuosos and ergo wanting to do something a little bit more outside of kind of the common fare, uh-huh. right? But serve the community in an affordable kind of accessible way. Yeah, and in both kind of economic but also in in, in creative terms, I right. really feel those things being a little bit of tension. So, you, do you have thoughts about how how do you bring that together? Absolutely. Yeah, my, my, my gut, the, the experiment was that actually that great actors make this stuff that is thought of as sort of highbrow and pretentious, that if you get the right actors in there, it's not true, mm. right? That, that ten, I mean, there are writers, and there are probably writers will never do, that are overtly intellectual, super, like, in the head and there, some of them are great writers, but but that's not kind of what we're talking about. For for me, it's like there is weird, experimental, exciting art that is that if you do it right, is also really entertaining, mm-hmm. really challenging, and is not based on sort of having the right background to appreciate it. And that's that I think is like, um, you know, the writers we've done: Tennessee Williams, James Baldwin, Lorca. Like they're thought of as high art, but they're like they're all writing these like sexy, dangerous, really thought-provoking things about. Well, I was going to say about America, but Lorca that doesn't apply to. But just like about the commu- their community, yeah. And I think that's what that's what we find. And and so far it's worked, right? Like. I don't, we haven't had an experience so far of people going like, I liked it, but I didn't understand it. That's right. the deadly place in theater yeah, where people yeah. are made to feel like it's their fault if they don't enjoy right. something. And, and then the, the economic piece, Ellen, I'm, I'm curious, you know, yeah. but how do you say we're going to pay our artists this like good wage? Cause 
that that's our mission. Yeah. We're uh, also going to make this accessible to the community because that's our mission. Yeah, man, yeah. that feels like a, a tough. Yeah, it certainly is. Um, it we we fundraise really aggressively <laughs> yeah, yeah. is is a big part of it. Brought to you and, by yeah. right. Well, and and always will I think is the other thing. Mm-hmm. We know that that's our model. Mm-hmm, um, and mm-hmm. actually, uh, that's even more of our model than than almost all regional theaters mm-hmm. we sort of accept that 70 percent of our budget is going to be raised and only 30 percent is going to be box office mm-hmm. okay. um, because we want to give ourselves that flexibility to be really sincere about like pay what you can is that you is, are you uh, do you own that are, the are, you, are you the fundraiser we definitely tag team it okay. um that's more my background because my first so job my first job language. in politics I, my first yeah. life was 20 my 20s was in politics right uh, mm-hmm. first job was fundraiser and i fucking hated it my my, <laughs> yeah. my my i would say i did it for three to six months somewhere uh-huh. four uh-huh. four months um now i was fundraising for um a black fellow from chicago with a funny name uh-huh so he kept me in the it, like that kind of kept me in the uh-huh. game you were inspired you know? even though the word yeah yeah but i was like as soon as i could i was like can i can I get out of this yeah. and go do some other stuff? And I did, but I, I have nothing but respect. It's so hard to ask people for money. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I'm not a natural. Um, yeah. I think Ryan would say the same thing. It's a skill that we have right. just worked over and right. over again right. because, because we want that offer to be right. really sincere. It is yeah. a pay what you can show without any guilt or shame. Mm-hmm. You pay what mm-hmm. you can mm-hmm. because yeah. we have built in the assumption. That do you we're get, have to do you guys get like the, because I, I, I ran a poetry slam for a while mm-hmm. here in Seattle, the Brain City uh, uh, over in Capitol Hill. And you would do a pay what you can. And you'd get like people, mostly people pay a dollar or three dollars uh-huh. or whatever. Yeah. But then you get the hundred dollar donation every now and again. Do you, yeah. guys, do you guys get that? Where we, some... We've had that a few times. And, and like one of the coolest that I, that I experienced when we did Blues for Mr. Charlie, we had someone drop a 20 in before the show. Drop a fifty in at intermission because they were enjoying it, and drop a hundred in after. Oh, <laughs> so, man. Like, it was one person. Yeah, one person who like really loved it. Um, so you know, it, it is funny because because people can buy tickets that support, and and part of our part of our thinking about that is pay what you can. Usually is a code for like if you can't afford it, you can come. But we're trying to mean it more honestly. Like, please pay what you really can. Yeah, pay, if you can, if you yeah. can pay, pay to, because arts are vital. And if you think this totally. art is good, really pay for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, that's um, awesome. And and and, and, then there, and then there are people who who walk up and open their wallet and they've got three bucks. Yeah, and that's, and that's great. Too, great. Right? That's what and they that's, can. That's um, how it works out. You know, I'm not a terribly religious person, but I grew up as one. And there is that parable of like the the rich people throwing their money around in the temple and the the poor woman with two coins and like that, that, that parable is, is right on for me. It's like, what, what can you really do? Yeah. Um, Hey, so tell me a little bit about a bright room called day. All right. Yeah. It's another play that was not popular when it came out. <laughs> well, so what are the roots? I, and I, 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 you know, shame my English major roots here, uh-huh. but I, I, I d- didn't know about it until we kind of got to talking yeah. uh, on email and everything. So, so this is, um, like g- give me full deep background everything great yeah. so it's it's tony kushner yep. uh best known for angels in america yep. and it's a play he wrote kind of around the same time they were both sort of working their way up in different theaters mid 80s and the the basic conceit was he was arguing that uh, american conservatism is heading towards fascism interesting yeah 
and and very much fueled by Reagan ignoring AIDS. Mm -hmm. So just saying, like, he's letting a population die. That's my population. Wake up, America. It is that bad. So the so the play essentially tracks a a group of kind of progressive liberal artists living in Weimar, Berlin. Mm -hmm. And the play starts in 32. And they're kind of all going, things seem bad, but we'll be fine. And then through the play, it it gets clearer and clearer. You know, uh, Hitler's appointed in the middle of the the play. and, And you start to see. Well, what's amazing about the play is you very clearly see that their perspective was made sense at the time. But because we know where it went. Yeah, there's just so much more there, right? right. And and at the time, it, uh, the I argue- believe that is called irony, right? <laughs> it's like <laughs> right. The dramatic irony is we go no, like fight tooth and nail, don't yeah. you know? Get out, like do. Uh, uh, um, and they're going well. We should do. We'll do this. We'll try, uh-huh. you know. Um, and at the time, it was it was it was panned because everyone said this is naive. Reagan's not Reagan's not Hitler. Like yeah. come on, yeah. what a, what an immature play. And now it's it's almost like you almost can't believe it was written not right now, like yeah. so, just, yeah. even in eerie ways where it's like there's there's like a scene in the play where they're talking about like this rumor that that Hitler's into like some kinky bodily fluid sex oh, stuff. Oh wow, that's and really you're like, funny. how is this possible that yeah. that's just this well, is, this is the that, that's line. the through yeah. line of it. Um, Ellen, for you, uh-huh. just wondering, because you're probably trying to bring this to sponsors yeah. and bring this to other, you know, whether it be media or whatever. Yeah. So h- how is that? How is that, that going process. over right now? Yeah. Especially given, I mean, just given yeah. f- fucking Trump. I yeah. Mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, my, my opinion on that mm. um, is that coalition building mm-hmm. is a really important conversation within the play yeah um mm. the there there's a there's a really funny scene mm-hmm. um where where there are these like two communist party members um who are talking about working with like sort of the center left uh yeah. like catholic socialists or whatever yeah they're called in, yeah in social Weimar democrats Germany. social democrats yeah. in weimar germany yeah and and one of the characters is like, we can't work with them. They're fascists. And she's like, well, they're not actually. <laughs> right. There's a, there's actual fascists. fascists. Um, right. Yeah. Right. And so, uh, and so, I think there is a like if if you are actually a neo Nazi, don't come see the play. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. but that is accurate. But if you're anywhere that's too bad. Else I mean, on I was... the political spectrum. Yeah, yeah. Do come see the play yeah, yeah. and engage with the parts of it you disagree with. Yeah, because okay. We have to talk about yeah. how we wow. build coalitions yeah. around the stuff that we do agree on without giving up our disagreements. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. Or or like not engaging um, when it's worth it to uh-huh. us. Yeah. In like a you know so strong and conflict-based way whatever um do come see the play so that we can get deeper into that conversation about where do we need awesome. to be allies awesome. yeah. yeah you um, need to you know one one of my guests this was last season uh, earlier this year we was uh, mike hobbs a really fabulous seattle journal you, you guys mm-hmm. need to check him out he's uh-huh. doing great work and um Huffington Post and uh, journalists and everything, but he he said you know usually the revolution comes apart after the war's over. Yeah, 
and I think the American kind of progressive, and I won't even say left, I mean, to center left, what have you, we're at our each other's throats and we're actually losing the war, the metaphorical war, and we're fighting each other. That's not, yeah. you're supposed to you're fall supposed apart to win, once win you first, win. Yeah. 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 And so that's a really interesting thought um, about you know, how to, how to listen and how to build that kind of partnership. Well, and, and par- part of it that I would say is that the, the play itself is, uh, it's like, it's not just like, it's certainly not Trump bashing. Part of what's amazing about it is it was before him. So it's not about the personality. Yeah. It's about the systems and it's mm-hmm. about getting the work. Yeah. And, and, yeah. um, Oh man, that's great. So, so that's, yeah, we, we, it's not a hopeless play. It's like a troubling play and an activating play and also, I mean, this is the other thing we don't want to, like, shortchange on. Part of our belief system about theater is, like, the play has to be really good in order for any of this conversation to work. Instruct and delight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the, so, so, part of what's great is, like, Kushner is funny and, and like, smart. And these characters, like, really care yeah. and are, are oh, really yeah. going for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got a, we got a kick-ass cast that is going to, like make it feel really present and alive and today. So uh, when does it go up and when does it close? Uh, October 25th is the first public performance. That's a preview. Um, okay. And then it opens the next night, October 26th, um, and runs through November 18th. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, it'll be right. Like midterms will happen in the middle of it. There's yeah. going to be a lot to... There's going to be a lot going on. Interesting. Around what's well, that, yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Um, look, well, you know, we're happy to plug it. I think everybody should go see these kind of these these great experiments. And thank you. Um, we'll throw it up. Uh, you know, the link to the show up on the page when we post this as well. Awesome. Um, we do like to end every show with a segment we call "If You Care About, You Should." Mm-hmm. So each of you, go ahead, fill in the blanks. You want to go first? Sure. Um, I was thinking about this, and I'm going to say, if you care about your own happiness, engage in your diverse community. Okay. Okay. I like that. <laughs> because being in a, a, a rut is not a rewarding experience. I, I, you know, like, I, a big part of my sort of formulating experiences of Seattle grew out of, like, um, two different, very diverse schools. One that was like segregated as hell and like people stuck to their own and like tried to protect themselves and build their own communities. And one where like it certainly wasn't a utopia, but, but people engaged and like the freedom that comes from actually like being comfortable with your whole community kind of shaped my whole artistic ethos. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's right. my, that's my guider. Ellen, what do you got? Uh, can I do two? Yeah, sure. <laughs> There's no rules on upzones. Okay. So, so my one pragmatic one is if you care about the arts in your community, um, be not just willing but eager to pay mm. whatever you would pay at a bar or a restaurant yeah. for that, that art. Yeah. Yeah. That. Um, and and then my other one is just because. We're recording this on the first day of the Kavanaugh hearings, yeah. and I'm really tired. Yeah, oh my god. <laughs> so if you god. care about the women in your life, go out of your way, further than you think you need to, uh, to reinforce their credibility mm. and expertise in their own experience and professional expertise. But what do you know? And they're like, good no. <laughs> Because... They might need that credibility. One day, yeah. 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 Well, that's anything. awesome. Thanks. Amen. Uh, Ellen Abram, 
Ryan Purcell. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you. Come Ines. on back any old time. Absolutely. Great awesome. to talk to you. Thanks. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. Thanks a lot. That was Ellen Abram and Ryan Purcell. Check their new show, A Bright Room Called Day by Tony Kushner, out at the Hillman City Collaboratory. Remember, that's put on as part of the Williams Project, which has a mission of basically making top-shelf art available to the community and paying the artists. Check them out at thewilliamsproject.org, and they've got a place to buy tickets right there. As usual, all music by the Subcons and dope opening poetry sample by Anthony McPherson. My favorite. All sound thanks to Naboo. This has been a Cascadia Underground production, and as always, I am the host of UpZones, Ian Martinez. See you next week.